Yo, 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 what's up? We are back. It is bound for disappointment with that opening straight out of the 90s. First podcast in god darn near four months here, but we're back. We're not dead. We've, we've decided to resurrect ourselves. Uh, my name is Kevin Charity, and possibly for the last time ever, this is Mark Wilkins in Phoenix. What's up, Mark? We'll clarify that. Possibly for the last time coming from Phoenix. I, I, would, I would like to remain. But you're, but what did I say? I said from Phoenix, right? You said you said possibly for the last time ever, Mark Wilkins. <laughs> well, I, I've been shopping around co-hosts, and um, there's been some offers made, and so maybe we could do like a three man, like a three man booth. Uh, have you been looking for a third, Kevin? I mean, I'm not not looking for a third. Do you have a list? Yeah, it's, it's uh starts with uh with Mazone. Oh, that's not bad. I would do and that. Then, then we go to Eric. Mazone over Eric? I can't afford yeah, I can't afford Eric. Uh, that's true. I mean yeah. Eric ever ever since the Groupner thing, he's kind of kind of big time to us. Yeah, Eric is a he's a he's a commodity. Uh he's gonna be the new uh the new drive time host on 1090. So that's that's what's going down, unless I just well, made that up. Undoubtedly siding with ownership. Yeah, he's a scab. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's I don't want to, in the sake of not being like over dramatic and, and, and melodramatic or, or or whatever, they're they're the same thing essentially. Uh, today was a the dark day for baseball, which you know ultimately, kind of looking at what's going on in the world right now. I mean, that's a it's really not that bad when you consider that there's literally you know we're on the brink of world war three and we're over here griping about baseball but that's that's just what we do but it's it's a pretty pretty sad day with the uh the ownerships uh, of major league baseball the owners uh, and the players not able to come to a deal we're sitting here kind of uh waiting for what's next the the rob banfred the commissioner of baseball major league baseball has already moved to cancel the first week of the season, which means three less games with the Giants. So I guess it's not all bad, but uh, it's a, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty bummed out about this. What are your thoughts? You, you can't spin it positively. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you point out other events in the world and I'm able to find other things to do, which sounds really petty. Baseball is so important to me, but um, Rob Manfred makes I mean, you remember all the hate for Gary Bettman in the NHL, and obviously he's come around ever since they, they reloc- you know, the relocation's kind of paid off, and uh, they got a good streaming package. The NHL has some good stuff going on. But, man, Roger Goodell with the NFL just has to not, not have a labor stoppage, not have too much bad PR. The NFL has bad PR left and right. And they, they just print money and everyone comes with money and, and it, it cures all, all that, that ails them. And with baseball, they make Goodell look like a hero. I mean, baseball has been growing on paper, struggling to, to actually promote the sport meaningfully with a younger audience, struggling to promote with audiences they haven't had before. And you look at that, like what the NHL did with the ESPN plus package, I'm not saying major league baseball needs to do or can do exactly that package, but you're seeing younger people on Twitter talk about, Hey, I watched a hockey game last night. Uh, I mean, look, look at NASCAR of all things. NASCAR was like the oldest, yeah. whitest thing. And they've been able to plug in 
to younger, more diverse audiences, primarily through Michael Jordan's ownership of 2311 Racing and Bubba Wallace and all that. There are moves being made in other leagues that baseball, I, I mean, you're looking at these sports that are playing, they're having these great games, and then baseball fans are glued to a screen watching a dude walk out, go to the other side and come back. <laughs> with this like insane hope that's like this is it he's got the folder he's got the cba in the folder and that's gonna be it and tomorrow they're gonna get on planes they're gonna come to arizona and florida they're gonna they're gonna do it they're gonna do spring training we're gonna have baseball and i mean the way that they didn't show up to the table right after the world series made you probably pessimistic overall but it made you think okay they're gonna come in at the end here and they're gonna they're just gonna hammer it out and it looked really bad a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago, I was like, wow, they're actually not hammering it out. And then, at least according to Bob Nightingale, oh, it looked boy. last night like they're hammering it out. Yeah, and, and I think that's – I think the part for me that is really hard to wrap my hand or, head around is that there really wasn't any urgency to, to me because you – you know, the collective bargaining agreement, I'm not exactly sure what date it expired, but I think it expired, you know, whatever date the, the winter meetings or the, the player signings stopped, which I want to say was in the middle of November, if memory strikes me correctly, maybe it was the beginning of December. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, first. Yeah, that might be right. I, somebody can correct us later. But the point is, is right when that stopped, why did we wait or why did they wait 30, 40, what is it, 43 days before they made initial contact? Why is there no discussion right away? Because you know that these things, especially with what the players were looking for versus what the owners were looking for, um, why was there not any conversation about this earlier? Why, why, why were they not meeting and trying to hammer out the details of this, uh, you know, to get this deal done? Um, and I think that's kind of what happens is, is you waited for so long and then, once you start get the conversations rolling, things didn't maybe move as quickly. I know the 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 players wanted the minimum salaries to be higher. They wanted the bonus pool to be. I think that their initial offer was 100 million. The owners were more about having expanded playoffs, which obviously equals more playoff money revenue in terms of you know both ticket sales, but also with the the package that you, you could sell the ESPN and its partners. And I think. You know, it seemed like they made up a lot of ground, but I, I almost feel like this is kind of what we saw at the trade deadline. We all remember the infamous Max Scherzer and the Padres deal where it was announced as essentially a done deal or it was close to being done. And then in the 11th hour, it changes. And I, and I almost feel like Bob Nightingale, and I, know, I don't know if it's so much Jesse Rogers, but Bob Nightingale was the one tweeting and everybody's like, oh, I forgive you, Bob, for all, because there's there's a legitimate thing. It's not just a Padres Twitter, but of the, of the Nightingale jinx where he says something and the opposite happens, where Chris Bryant's going to sign with, with the Mariners and he goes to the Giants or, or something to that effect. I'm just giving an example of, of a hypothetical, but people were really excited about this and say, okay, cool. Like, and we were hearing, I even looked at the check this morning and people describing that the negotiations as being at a 30 yard line, which is like, okay, like 30 yard line going in or 30 yard line on the other side of the field. But even then, okay, like 30 yard line, that's, that's manageable. They, they have some things to knock out. And then today you get that announcement that they just, or they're at an impasse. And I think um, it's very interesting just to kind of see, um, I, and I feel like, 
the overwhelming majority of fans are on the player side, but there's also some people that are on the owner side, players make too much, et cetera. Um, I, I just think that, you know, where everything stands, I think for me, the, the, the number one thing, like I said, is why, why do they wait so damn long to start these, these talks? Yeah, I mean, that, that's so frustrating because you knew how far apart they were and, they, and you saw how far apart they were going. I mean, they're still so far apart. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's like, why don't you even start to think about what you're willing to give up and what you're willing to do? It makes it feel so hopeless. Like uh, Passon had an article about it about a week ago where he said that it's nice that they're, they're talking about things like the DH. They're talking about this pre-arb bonus pool. They're talking about what they're going to do in the minors. That's great. But until they fix whatever they're going to do with the CBT, until they fix whatever they're going to do with the 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 main issue of how they're paying the players, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I, and I think the fact where you see what, what what inflation has done to the country, it's strained a lot of paychecks. Where uh, gas is in San Diego, I mean, in a lot of places, hitting five dollars a gallon now, which I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Um, I remember a, while, a long time ago, it was in the 470s, 480s, you know, eight, nine years ago, and it kind of kind of tapered down and it's just, it's getting crazy and it's going up by the day and food's becoming more expensive. And so just like the rest of us, what you've seen, at least with the minimum salaries, yeah, you can look at th- the big contracts. And I think that's the thing that everybody gravitates towards is the Fernando Tatises of the world and the uh, Mike Trouts and you know, the players that have signed these big contracts, conversely, you have players like, you know, and I think Jake Cronenworth is a perfect example of a guy that came up in 2020 kind of unexpectedly out of nowhere. Okay. Like pretty good player. Can he do it again? And last year you saw what he did. He was a four, one player made the all-star team. It was arguably the, the best second baseman in the national league last year. Uh, you can pull up, you know, we can have a debate about that, da, 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 da. but he made essentially what was the league minimum and that league minimum has not moved in several years. Uh, he's also a guy, when you look at this potential bonus pool for pre-arbitration players, Jake Cronenworth outplayed his contract last year. I don't think there's an argument. I mean, Jake Cronenworth, a four win second baseman that can play first base and shortstop as a free agent. Like if, if they just said, we're going to make everybody a free agent today, Jake Cronenworth, I think on the open market could command 15 to $20 million a year. I don't think that would be a stretch. So to have some type of pool where he can make, you know, maybe he gets a 300, $400,000 bonus. I don't know what the amount would be, but having players like that, a player like Vladdy, you know, Vladdy jr. Who I believe this is going to be his first year through arbitration in 2021 but a guy that played it in 2022, excuse me. Uh, but in 2021, he played it at an MVP level. And I believe was making far, you know, if he wasn't making the minimum, it was his first time through arbitration. So my point is, this is like the player's proposal in that sense makes sense. Where I know the NFL has a similar deal uh, where players who are on rookie level deals can make incentives if they you know play at a high level. And I think that's the part that makes sense. And they also want to take the minimum, to you know, I think it was their proposal was seven hundred. The owners counted at six forty, which you know, depending on what side you're on, is fair or, or not fair. It's 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 any movement in the right direction is positive. But I think there's just a lot of fundamental things that that fell apart. But I think ultimately, what what the players were proposing, at least what I've read, to me wasn't awful by any means, and I don't I don't feel like it reeked of greed. To to be completely honest. Yeah, it, it's um, 
it's refreshing to actually see the, the players want to get the guys paid earlier because yeah, um, part of it's just pragmatic thinking because the, the Albert Pujols contract is dead. These guys are going to get paid younger. No one, these owners don't want to pay for a guy who's 30 something years old because in the post steroid era, the career arc isn't the same. So it's pragmatic, but it's also just a, a it's a, it's a good way to go about their business because mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of guys who have a great first two, three years of their career, and then they don't do much more. There are a lot of guys who um, play at the minimum their whole career. There are, you know, there are guys who maybe play four years in the majors at the minimum. If you can get them a bump of 200,000, you just put another 800 grand in their pocket. And um, it's also just the, the overall percentage of things. I mean, right now, the CBA that ownership was somewhat okay with on the old CBA, they were okay with Jake Cronenworth making the minimum and Fernando Tatis Jr. making over, over 300 million. And that, that is like, and, and I'm not saying that Tatis doesn't deserve that money. I'm not saying Machado doesn't deserve that money. I'm speaking more about Cronenworth because like, imagine being really good at your job and you're a new hire at a, I mean, let's just say you're working at Target and you're making 20, you know, 20 bucks an hour. And you find out like a guy in your department who granted is like a freaking rock star, but he's making like a hundred times what you're making. Right. That's crazy. Well, I think part of it too. And, and the problem I, I think where the players have is I think the statistic was like 71% of of, of major league baseball players make less than a million dollar a year. I don't, I don't know if, that, if that's verified or, but if you think about the Padres, I mean, yeah. you have a lot of guys that are on pre-arbitration deals like Jake Cronenworth, um, you know, Trent Grisham, I believe is still pre-arbitration right. and Austin Nola is another example. And then you look at the guys that they have in their bullpen. Some of the guys like Ryan Weathers um, to use him as another example. And so if Ryan Weathers, like, let's just say that the, the game the season starts on time and ryan weathers goes out and wins 18 games this year has an era of of three and throws a 200 innings and puts up a six war season and is a cy young candidate ryan weathers is going to make the league minimum and so i think it's fair to say okay right let's just say ryan weathers exceeds the loftiest of expectations and develops into like the stud ace type pitcher well I think it would be beneficial and, you know, it deserving that he makes, I don't know, another, another extra million, 2 million. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get to a position where the players are going to be quote unquote played with their worth because an Eric Hosmer will be making the league minimum. But um, when you look at a lot of these guys that haven't gotten paid, I think it makes sense to try to set something up where those guys can get money. And I think the other proposal, I know that it was talked about early on in things, but, I don't think it was actually part of the negotiations about talking, trying to get guys to free agency by the the time they're 29 and a half, because like what you said was, was a really valid point where the career arc of players, it's not in the eighties and nineties. It was pretty, I don't know if it was common per se, but it was, you would see guys play into their forties. I mean, Barry Bonds was playing in their forties, Tony Gwynn, even though he's a bench player played into his forties, Ricky Henderson was what in his mid forties when he played. And you kind of saw that, with the deals that happened in the late nineties and in the two thousands, like a rod getting signing a 10 year deal at 31 or 32 and, you know, Miguel Cabrera, I mean, the tigers would love to not have that, that deal on the books, but he's going to get paid for, I think another year or two. And he's going to be in his forties when that deal expires and you're seeing teams getting away. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to give a 32 year old 
a 10 year contract. So why not get a guy to free agency when he's 27 or 28 and he can land that big deal. I think that part makes sense too. I like the proposal of 29 and a half or, or five or six years, whichever comes first, because it also doesn't make sense that like, you know, it, it, let's just say Ronald Acuna jr. Didn't sign an extension and he comes up to the big leagues at 20. Now you get nine years of control over him, but like Jake Cronenworth who came up to the big leagues at what, 25, 26, you get three years of control. So I, I, I kind of think that there, there's something to be said there. And I think that the players were just ultimately trying to get players themselves the free agency a little bit faster because obviously free agency is where the money is made. That's where the big spending happens. You see teams throw away, throw around contracts and you're like, wow. I mean, you know, I, I don't have a problem with players getting paid, but um, I think the argument has has been that that salaries have been kind of flat, and that the even though baseball doesn't have a, a salary cap per se, the the luxury tax at the what is that two ten right now is essentially worked as a de facto luxury tax, and so I think ultimately it's really difficult to side with the owners on this place be, because. You know, we'll get more into it as the gig, as 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 the show goes on here. But like, I I, it's it's really difficult to to not side with the players because I think what they were asking for isn't over the top. No, what they're what they're asking with the free agency thing is, is they're they're basically saying you've seen the guy long enough. Figure out if you're going to extend him or not. And bottom line is, by that age, you do kind of know what you have. But there have been franchises historically that have drafted more college players specifically to get those cheap years. And they're, you're going to see that pushback. They, the owners run every time. They run every time to this, well, look at Oakland, look at Tampa, look at Ken Kendrick with the Diamondbacks. He says he has no money, even though Guy Fieri just opened a restaurant in the stadium plaza. <laughs> and he wants to build a stadium in Scottsdale and you know, they're like, look at them. They trot them out. Like they're um, like, they're like the kids in Ukraine or something. They trot them out. Like, well, this sad team can't do that. And it's like bullshit because when you look at where the, where the CBT is, the, the, the CBT is at a point where only the Dodgers and the Padres spent over it. Right. So even the Yankees, even the Yankees shy away from it. Like, like it's goddamn kryptonite. So it is, it is a salary cap for all intents and purposes because the only two teams that spent over it, one is controlled by the billionaires and the other one's controlled by a billionaire who said, we're going for it. We got a generational talent. So every other team's not doing it. So revenue sharing, if I remember right, was like 75 million. And you've got these, these teams that are spending less than the revenue sharing in their payroll. Right. So it's like, okay, and, and, and you can make the argument. You're spending less on the revenue sharing your payroll. You have to pay your staff. You have to pay for the, the lease. You have to pay for your minor leaguers. You have to pay for you know, whatever else. What, where's your money coming into this? These, these guys talk about their investment. Are you invested in this thing at all? I mean, it, it's, it's such a weird time. The WNBA almost took away the liberty from Joe Sy because he chartered them flights and it wasn't fair. And then you've got you've got Major League Baseball saying we we can't have ordinary payrolls. I, I mean, the, the Padres everyone loves to say the Padres are a small market team. They paid into the, into the damn luxury tax. They made it look easy. If your owner can't do that, if you're the Pirates and your owner just says, "Well, we can't do that," find a new owner. I'm sorry. Like, right. It, it's how many 
this is a country of oligarchs now. We trickle down economics has just made them pop up like trees. Go find one that's going to do it for you because it, it, it's pathetic to sit there and say, well, we're not going to, we're not going to let Jake Cronenworth ever be a free agent. We're going to let Austin Nola play his entire prime uncontrollable years because we've set up a rule system because look at the pathetic Tampa Bay Rays. They want to play half their year in Montreal. Uh, forget it. Yeah. And, and I think the, the pirates are a perfect example because like you said, they, they're getting, I think it's $80 million with revenue sharing. And then, you know, you, you're not factoring, they get corporate sponsors. I would imagine. I don't, I would imagine that they're not getting, they're not making as much as like the Yankees or the Dodgers yeah, do because yeah, there's a TV it? deal somewhere, right? The pirates are terrible and nobody really, I mean, I can't imagine, I mean, companies are always going to buy sponsorships, but obviously when you're not good, the demand's probably not as great, but you know, you're every time, Somebody goes through PNC Park, you're making money, you're making money on parking, you're making money on concessions, on tickets, on merchandise, you know, the sponsorships, you're, you're getting media deals. There's all kinds of different ways that they're, they're, they're getting revenue sources. And, you know, for me, at least in, you know, my understanding of economics is, is not great. I'm not a businessman by any means, but part of the appeal when you buy one of these sports franchises, the equity that you build up. I mean, the Padres are a perfect example and using John Moore's is he bought the team for what, $80 million or something like that and sold, sold them for like 900 million. And then the Padres bought them for 900 million, the Ron Fowler and, and Pete Seiler, whoever's the official owner and their partners. And now the Padres are worth substantially more than that. Like they're 1.2. And, you know, with Tatis, if they start winning and that and Petco park is packed every every night for the next five, six years, that, that value is probably going to be, is probably going to go up. And I think that's part of the appeal of why these billionaires like these teams is because you, you, you make an investment, you buy the Dallas Cowboys when they're 30, worth $30 million and they're worth $5 billion. And, you know, I obviously, I know I'm, I'm comparing sports, but I think that's been kind of the argument. And if you look at Pittsburgh, like they're, their ownership isn't putting the money into the team and the fans are basically saying, we're not going to go. I mean, even when the COVID restrictions were lifted last year, they were getting like five or 6,000 people uh, to games. And I, I think it's, it's, it's horrendous that there are teams like the Padres are a really good example. I think in a way, when you look at the ownership group and the arguments that they can make Peter Seidler, I feel like, I don't know what these conversations are like, but I feel like Peter Seidler in a way has to be kind of almost a pariah because he's kind of put, and again, I have no basis on, I'm just kind of theorizing here, but you have this San Diego, which is a small market team. This is the 27th, 28th ranked TV market in a league that has 30 teams. And obviously there are some teams that, you know, that are bigger markets that don't have teams, but you have, like San Diego is similar to Cincinnati and Kansas city and, and Pittsburgh. And those teams don't really spend the Royals did first stretch and got really horrible, really fast and pretty much undid all the goodwill they built up with that championship in 2015. And you have the Padres who say, Hey, we have this generational talent. We're going to kind of buck the, the trend, which is small market gets legitimate player and trades him to one of like five or six teams, which has been kind of, the status quo in baseball. You see it, you see it all the time. People used to joke that, you know, the Padres are a farm system for the Yankees or, or et cetera. And so they lock up this talent. Not only do they lock up Tatis, but they bring in two massive free agents in Hosmer and, and, and Machado. And yes, Hosmer not hasn't worked out, but monetarily is a big time free agent. He signed the biggest free agent deal that off season. And they've 
been able to bring in a Mike Clevenger, who's you know not making a ton of money, but isn't cheap. They've been able to put pieces around him. You Darvish's contract is pretty hefty. Blake Snell's making really good money, so they've added pieces. And so, if you're a fan, if I'm a fan, and I'm in, I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. You know, Cincinnati Reds went for it last year or two years ago, and they didn't have the year they wanted. And now they're they're unloading that. And so you, I'm looking at the Padres and saying, well, hey, if, if they can do it, why can't we? And I think the also part of it that that damages this argument is that the owners aren't going to open up their books and kind of show, well, hey, this is how I'm losing money or why I'm losing money. And I think until there's more transparency, I think it's I, I think that that the media and the players are right for calling that out the owners. And really, this is this lockout is a byproduct of owners, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's the owners locking out the players, simple as that. And, um, you know, Passon had the quote about how if you replaced all the players, the game would suffer. And if you replaced all the owners, it might actually be better. Um, it's a really good point. I mean, there's only 30 owners. Well, you know, 30 primary faces of the ownership group. And uh, do they want to win or do they want a vanity investment? Because if they want a vanity investment, I suggest just getting a luxury box season tickets and, and letting someone who wants to win run the team because yeah you look at you look at the Seidler Fowler group they've done everything that they they can really do coming in to just write checks that have never ever ever been seen before I mean yeah you remember what Burns was doing in San Diego on an Expos budget he wasn't doing a bad job but he had nothing to work with and now it's like they've got everything to work with I mean they, they just fired Tingler washed out the coaching staff washed out a lot of development staff and they just basically went let's go find the best of what we can do for like all literally almost all those spots yeah yeah and and i think that's the difference that you're seeing in these ownership groups is if you're a pirates fan you know you you go back to they had a a good run in the early 2000 early 2010s with when andrew mccutcheon was in his prime and was like a legitimate superstar and they had some some good players, you know, they developed good Garrett Cole got him to the big leagues and, and they, they had some other guys and they couldn't keep that team together. And it's just this perpetual, you know, it's kind of like what the Padres were in the 2010s where like you as a fan, try to try to find ways that like this team is going to, is going to be competitive and say, Oh man, I really like this player and that player. But what it boils down to is like, okay, cool. If, if you look at the pirates roster right now and say, okay, like O'Nelly Cruz, who's going to be their, their starting shortstop, the seven, six foot seven shortstop. Uh, yeah. If he's good for a couple of years, maybe there's like a three-year window where we can kind of contend until he starts making 15 million a year through arbitration and he gets traded to the Red Sox for three or four prospects. And this process starts all over again. And I think that's unfortunate what baseball has become. And the part that, I think what baseball has is you have people like you and I who are, you're still going to watch baseball games. Let's just say that the locket extends into to June and we get a 80 game Mickey mouse season. You're still going to watch these games and still cheer with the same, same passion. I would imagine. Correct. Oh yeah. I mean, at this point um, I, I thought Corey Stewart said it well, where it's like, he's totally fine with sitting it out, making sure the players get the right deal. I'm, I, I'm all for that. I, right, I don't right. want, if they had settled last night for some just desperation deal that everyone's going to just bitch about for the next five years, uh, it, the owners want to do the NHL thing and, and find a reason to strap on a salary cap. And there's not a reason 
and the players the players are finally I think the players are backed a little bit into a corner because the last two or three CBAs have really pushed them in that direction and they're determined to not get trapped in that corner anymore so yeah, yeah. When, when it if they come back in June if they wipe out the whole season I I, I would be a little bummed out with both sides on that one but yeah if they come back in like June it doesn't affect me any yeah, and I, and I think the point I want to make with that is that it's not going to impact you or, or me, or it's it's not going to impact the hardcore fan, the 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 fan that spends one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for season tickets in, in six different sections. Um, it doesn't impact those people. It's the casual fan. It's it's the guy that hey, I'm just randomly going to go to a game on a Friday night and, and drop one hundred and fifty dollars to, to you know on, on the experience that guy's going to find something else to do with his money and i think the part that r- is really crappy about this whole thing is where i think it really and it, i'm going to kind of sound like somebody think of the children i'm going to sound a little bit like that because it's going to turn people off and you look at the issue that baseball has i think it, and i don't know if it's talked about enough and maybe it is in some places but i don't feel like it is is baseball is a boomer sport essentially where the average age of, of somebody that likes baseball I, I think the last time i read some statistics on this was in the 50s and so as those people get older and they die off where is where are the young people going to come in and, and then right now younger people are gravitating more towards the nba because the NBA players are, are are very likable. I think it's easier spot to 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 market, honestly, because players play both ways. You can turn on a game and see Steph Curry. I mean, you know, him in the All Star game last weekend was the show he put on, where he's just bombing threes from half court. Like, as somebody who's a casual NBA fan at best, I was like, dude, I just I'm like, just keep letting him shoot. Like, I, I was like, I was I was enthralled. You're you're seeing younger generations gravitate more towards those guys and they're they're cooler they have more charisma it's easy to watch them and then you turn on because if you turn on a baseball game you may sit there and watch half an hour before you see fernando tatis do anything um and that's one of the problems it's it's very difficult to to market this sport towards young kids and now what you're saying is we're going to have another labor stoppage we had the labor stoppage which obviously was a player strike in 94 we're going to have this one at 30 years later, which is, in my opinion, more on the owners. But what it's doing is it's turning people off in the game. Major League Baseball knows they have the hardcore fan. The problem that they're going to find, in my opinion, is that over the next five, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years, the kids they should be getting right now, like my kids who are seven and four, if there's no baseball to watch, like my younger son who's obsessed with sports is already starting to gravitate towards the NBA. And so you're going to lose a kid like that. And he's just going to want to watch NBA or NFL. And he's not going to have time for baseball and because it's just, Oh, this is boring. Or, you know, they, they don't market their players. And, you know, the argument we've heard is that Otani can't be the face of baseball because he doesn't speak English. And, you know, same thing with like Soto or Vladdy or, or, or whomever, whatever stereotypes people throw out there. And to me, that's the bigger problem is that the owners are killing the game because baseball, like think about the nineties, right? You think about what we grew up on the current crop of stars in this game to me, and maybe it's a recency bias far supersedes anything we have in the nineties. We didn't have 20 year old. We had a rod, but we didn't have like six a rods, which I think we have right now. And I think that is the concern for me is that the growth of the game is going to be stunted ultimately because of crap like this. It's a really 
dark crossroads for baseball. I mean, you, you make it a is. good point about the NBA. Um, five guys on the court. The whole roster is 15 guys. You get those courtside shots. The fans are right there next to the players. Living here in Phoenix, Devin Booker and Chris Paul own this town. And then you go down the list and it gets to like Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt. I haven't even listed uh, Marte yet. I haven't even, I mean, I obviously haven't listed anyone in the Coyotes, but you're, you're, you're getting that, that feeling where um, baseball is at a really, really tough point of relatability. It's at a really tough yeah. point of um, what they're going to do with the kids. And, and yeah, you, 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 you have every right to be frustrated because what we grew up with, what we grew up with with King Griffey Jr., where I was the Mariners when I was eight years old in rookie ball. Mm-hmm. We're the Mariners. And that made us the biggest badasses on the block because Ken Griffey Jr. had just come out with the Super Nintendo game. And he had made all those catches. And he was this dynamic force. And like you said, we've got multiple towns with, with a, a Griffey-type display. And they're, they're screwing up marketing that. They're making it where if your parents don't have cable, you may not be able to watch your team. Or you're gonna have to pay for a, a pretty expensive streaming package to watch these other guys because they're not getting very many games on national TV. They've already, you know, Mike Trout has, and there's the whole argument the Angels can't make the playoffs. It's a whole other thing. But ESPN hardly ever put the Angels on TV when, when it was just Trout. And, I, and you know, thankfully with Otani there, and then they're being a little smarter about the, the packaging. They've done a little more, but they've never been great at getting the stars to the, the fans and they're still not, not great at it. Now they're going to lock it up. And, and um, yeah, if you're, if you're a kid in San Diego, you're just, you're just latching on to these national, you know, you just kind of get to pick your own team. And here, here in the desert, all the kids in my apartment complex, when they're, when they're throwing the football, everyone wants to be Kyler. Kyler to DeAndre when they're when they're dribbling the basketball. It's funny when I first moved here, the Suns weren't good yet, and all these kids want to be LeBron. Now I walk by and they want to be CP3 and they want to be Devin Booker. But that, I mean, those guys just you go drive by. It's all the billboards. It's everything. And LA, I mean, kids here want to be Craig Childs. So you know, it's yes, you know, LA <laughs> with the electricity, the the Big Brother to San Diego, the greatest greatest city in the world. Whatever else they they uh, they call it on on Dave and Jeff. Um, <laughs> LA. Uh, Come see where Sam Cook got murdered. Yeah, you know, hey. Um, <laughs> so, you know, LeBron still out outweighs the star power of, I mean, even Aaron Donald, but he outweighs the star power of Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I think if you look at two, I mean, the Rangers are a perfect example. Um where the team went out, you know, early in the off season and brought in uh, Marcus Simeon, they brought in uh, Corey Seager. And you, you think what, what, what are people talking about in Dallas? I, I would imagine it's the Cowboys and Luca, you know, Luca Doncic and Corey C. I mean, if you went down the list of like top athletes in, in Dallas, I mean, and I, and granted, it's probably not really fair because Corey Seager hasn't even played a game in the Rangers uniform yet, but is he even in the top 10 in Dallas? Like for Dallas athletes, I mean, there's probably, it's probably, 
Dak Prescott, Luka Doncic, and like eight other Cowboys before you get to him, you know, Michael oh, yeah. Parsons, whomever. And you look at, you start looking at cities. I mean, yeah, St. Louis. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a team, but even in like a, a town like Chicago, where you have the bulls kind of Renaissance right now with, with DeMar DeRozan, like with the Cubs and White Sox, how many of those players are in the, in the same thing. And I, and I think when you look at baseball right now, yeah. When you look at baseball right now, you have Fernando Tatis, who is probably, I would say, the most marketable player in baseball. When you factor, and maybe it's maybe I'm being biased here, but I, I believe it because of his charisma. You know, he's got his he's easily identifiable, his hair, like everybody knows about his hair with you know the blonde dreadlocks. He's he's got charisma, like you know, on, on a scale of one to ten, he's a 15 in charisma. He's just flashy. And then people are telling him not to do what makes him him. That would be like looking at some of these guys in the NBA. It's like telling Steph Curry, like, hey, don't dance when you make a three or, or don't show any emotion. You have all these young, you know, you look at like around baseball, you have Juan Soto, you have Ronald Acuna when he's healthy, you got Vlad Guerrero, you got Otani, who is, or Otani is like a once in a century type of player, assuming that he can, you know, pitch and hit at the level he did last year. And you have, you know, you have Fernando Tatis, you have, you know, Mookie Betts is marketable. I think you have other young and you got more players coming, you know, you have Spencer Torkelson coming up with the, with the Tigers. who's going to be great. We think, you know, Riley green with the Tigers, uh, you know, CJ Abrams maybe becomes that type of player. And so you have all these young Bobby Witt jr. You have all these young players that are on the verge of, of, of being superstars and you have this crazy talent under 25 years old. And these are the guys that you want on commercials and you want people to know who they are. You want your fans to know, you want casual fans to know who Juan Soto is and who Fernando Tatis is. And baseball continues to step on their dick every single year with this. I mean, it went from the pandemic where that whole ugly negotiation and the play think about that like i mean i, I know nobody's going to have sympathy for for eric hosmer but like eric hosmer lost what 13 million dollars that season like fernando tatis had this mvp type of 60 game season and played for like 150k uh, or whatever the proration of the league minimum ends up being and so you you look at the concessions that the players have already made and the owners were the ones that it's funny um what the pandemic showed us um at least on the surface is that we're always told that like we need to have six months of savings for an emergency and you know some of these corporations miss one one paycheck and like, oh hey we, we got no money and so the players got screwed in that deal they're probably I mean, unless something happens here in the next couple of days, they're going to get screwed in whatever deal they sign and the owners are going to continue to cry poor. And I think that is, you have a lot of people that are, I put this on both sides. It's like, no, like what, what are the players supposed to do? Take a shitty deal so that you have something to do from April to October. So you have a way to avoid your family so that you can spend your day watching 10 hours of baseball be, and you want them to accept an inferior deal because of how it impacts you. No, I mean, I, I, it's it's frustrating, but like I mean, I, I don't know what the players are supposed to do here. I don't I don't know what what the what the best case scenario is. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, the people are saying you know I put on both sides. The owners are the ones that could just in the lockout tomorrow and say we'll keep negotiating while we do spring training. They could actually do that. Now the players could counter and say we're going on strike but it would at least put the ball in their court. The owners can end it right now. They could, they could come to the table right now at what two in the morning on the East coast and say, 
we want you guys to start practicing. We want you to get that work in so you're ready to play and we'll keep talking. Um, yeah. But yeah, what do, you, what do you want the players to do? What do you, the, the funny thing is they, they point to Scherzer. Oh, he drove up in a Porsche. I, I've had store managers drive up in a Porsche. I mean, Scherzer yeah. could line up like Scherzer could drive Porsches like goddamn water skis if he wanted to with the money he has. But they, oh, he drove up in a Porsche. Okay. Does he, does he wipe his ass with the Bible too? I mean, what, what, what is this whole thing about? And they're just trying to paint it as like, look at the spoiled millionaires. Well, you know, Scherzer is losing 200000 a day during this. That's great. They're, they're not really making this CBA for Max Scherzer. In a way they are because of the implications of a salary cap. But they're mostly going at this for, like you said, Jake Cronenworth, for guys who are making money that is surprisingly low for what they do. And that's hard to tell anyone. And, and you know what? Like right now, I'll, I'll put it on the table because I'm leaving this job in a month. I make $13 an hour to pack dildos. <laughs> now, granted, it's not just packing dildos. There are many other things, but that's one of those Do things. people actually, like, is that a, is that like, when you say you pack dildos, because can we say where you work? Are we allowed to say that? I don't know. All right, fine. He works at a place that sells beverages and you can order beverages and other stuff that really wouldn't make sense to order. But are, are people actually like, I, I mean, how many times a week do you pack one of those devices? On the average week, myself personally, maybe one. That's um, still a lot, I feel like. That's still, that's still a lot. And what, what, well, here's what's funny, though. The inventory goes from the very small and the very practical to the very large and very... Um, intimidating we don't sell any of those like we don't sell the 50 dollars one called the kong um why not I, I don't make the rules valentine's day we did pack a uh a bouquet of flowers a box of chocolates and a vibrating butt plug um but here's the thing wait making... wait 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 is that is that is, that's not a joke right no it's not a joke that was a real order <laughs> happy valentine's day uh, but that, that was a package or somebody just ordered it like that was like a thing you could go on the site and it's like hey for 49 no no it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like the app didn't have it like, oh, click on this and get the, the special happy Valentine's Day package. And it's got a surprise in the end. No, it was um, someone like went on to this clumsy, hard to use app. So getting three items on this app takes you about 20 minutes. This is a deliberate thought on someone's part to get a flowers, chocolate and a vibrating butt plug. But I digress. Um, I make $13 an hour to do it. Because while everything else has suffered inflation in Arizona, housing prices have gone up 88%. Wages have not. That's crazy. I know. I saw that. I saw it's that statistic insane. too. It's nuts, right? Yeah, it's insane. And I'm considered like management. So, um, so I make I make dirt doing my job, but that doesn't make me translate it into, oh, well, I show up to work every day. Why can't Max Scherzer? Screw that. You know. The Scherzer's fighting for the me's of guys who play baseball, right? Like it's well, all on a scale. Right. And I think with not to, even with, with what I do, and I don't really want to get into that here, but like as a manager for a, you know, a, you know I work in management, there's probably 20,000 people or 2 million people that could do what I do, honestly there's how many people can do what max scherzer do and how many like you think about you packing dildos right 
let's just say you're the best dildo packer that's ever good existed. Yeah, I, I, I put them in that bag with with uh, with love. Yeah, with like just handling them, make sure that that they're good. Maybe even you know, make sure that the 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 box isn't even chipped on the corners or anything. Have you ever read the boxes? No, because I, like sometimes I have to be there till like one thirty in the morning in case someone wants a late night dildo delivery. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's when the action happens, right? And uh, that's a lonely order. As some, you just get it ordered, it's like, and it's like, here's a, a six pack of, of like white claw and, and, a, and a dildo and a pocket rocket. <laughs> and uh, so, like, like we stop doing deliveries at once. We usually get out of there about one thirty, unless something goes wrong. So, um, I'm not. We don't. We don't do any of the driving. We hand it off to to tweakers behind the store who drive for us, and uh, <laughs> and they get the tips, not you, which is fucked up. Yeah, right? they get the tips, not us. We have to run around and, and make sure it's the right dildo, and then they get the glory. And uh, but we'll 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 stay there till you know one thirty in the morning. And sometimes, like some nights, uh, you know, we find stuff to do. Like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna redo this section. We're gonna get away from the dildos for a minute and uh, do all this, but. Uh, there's one night where I was just closing with this kid and we we're just like, Hey dude, let's just like, have you ever read any of these? And man, it is like, it is like action figure packaging where it's like talking about like, you know, articulated arm action and, um, you know, six inch figure. They're like, but they, whoever wrote the action figure boxes, like for GI Joe's retired into dildo work because like they really, they, they talk those things up, man. It's pretty intense. Well, I mean, they're trying to they're trying to make a sale, so they got to make it sound amazing, right? Oh, yeah, they, they, you know, it's like it's like you get, when you're at IKEA, they they try to make you picture the furniture in your room, and this one they try to make you picture it in you. That's an unsettling image you just gave me. There you go. But my back to my point, like if you were like the best dildo packer, and forty thousand people came to your place of business to watch you pack a dildo, and they were willing to pay I, I wish. several hundred dollars your salary should far exceed $13 an hour. And I think with Max Scherzer, how many people, like I said, there's a, there's, there's a billion people, a million people, millions of people that could do what I do. There's probably no offense. There's, I'm glad I don't live here. There's a bunch of people that can do what you do. How many people in the world can do what Max Scherzer does? Five, mm-hmm. 10 at his yeah. level. I mean, and people are willing to pay for it. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of skill there. There's more talented athletes in the world. Um, and we just watched the winter Olympics. I mean, there's some amazing curlers out there, but like outside of the winter Olympics, who the hell is watching curling? And I think that's what it goes down to. And so, yeah, these players should be compensated because look at the revenue they're generating and the owners are the ones that are, that are making the money. And like, that's, yeah, it should go back in the player's pocket to a degree. Like I, I get it. Like owners got to make money too. Like, I respect it. I mean, these owners, for the most part, you know, outside of a few, um, have been successful business people that don't do stupid things with money. And so they are trying to obviously keep, continue to make, make money. But I think, you, you know, I think that the part that with baseball that is so, it makes baseball so cringy sometimes is you just see the disparity. Like if you're a Pirates fan, you're walking into the year and I'm like, oh, cool. Like the Padres spent $214 million last year or $216 million when you, when you factor in the luxury tax and the way that they, they, they do the deals. And we're walking in here hoping that the guy, the, the Japanese guy they had signed uh, that was with the rate, he got was with the Reds and then they, they, he was traded to the Dodgers. I can't remember the guys. It's like, suits go but you're hoping that guy is gonna come back and 
hey, for $1.5 million, I hope this guy puts it together. And I hope that, um, you know, I, I can't even name half. They, they traded their, their catcher. Like, you have no chance. And it's one thing if, like, you're tanking with a purpose, because I'm actually not anti-tanking in sports. I think sports are, like, like most businesses are cyclical. And, you know, what's what, look what's going to happen with some of these teams right now. Like, you look at the Lakers, like, to, to use them from another sport, they're going to tank when LeBron leaves. Probably they're, they're going to be horrible for a while. You look at baseball. I mean, if you're the Astros, you were the worst team in baseball for what, two straight years. And then three out of four, you were, you, you got all these hot picks. The, the nationals tanked and they ended up with, uh, with Harper and, and uh, Strasburg. So if you're tanking with a purpose, that's one thing, but the pirates are just perpetually, just doormats. They, they had a run in the, you know, like I said, in the 2010s and that, in that era, and it didn't work out and they have no hope. And I think what is really that, and that's where it gets discouraging because you don't really see that in other sports. You don't see, I mean, the coyotes are an exception. Like they're way under the salary cap. I don't even know if they're at the salary floor, um, but they're clearly tanking. Um, and is there a purpose for that? Well, maybe their ownership has a vision or their general manager has a vision of bringing that team back to prominence. And how do you get, especially in baseball, how do you get good? You get controllable players. Like how do you get good in the NFL? You try to find a quarterback and have them on their rookie deal for five years where they're cheap as hell. So you can surround them with talent. Kind of like what the chiefs did until Mahomes became super expensive. They signed under that contract. I would imagine the charters with Justin Herbert trying to do the same thing. And so my point is, is that everything is based on, on, on young talent. And it's also about supplementing that with free agency and baseball has like by far the worst disparity of where you see one team up here and another team down here. And I think that part also is you have to figure out a way. And I thought that's why I was so pro salary floors. Like you want teams that, you know, no matter if you put in anti-tanking rules, 30 teams can't make the playoffs. 30 teams can't win 90 games. But I think if you're going to make teams lose, at least have them spend a minimum amount of money. Yeah, I like salary floors. Um, I, I think it's worked. Um, the salary floor is interesting too because it, it creates – I like I like the NHL and the NBA partly because they do weird things with contracts. Like in the NHL, yeah. you can take like a guy who's – long-term injured reserve and trade him because a team has to get up to the floor and all of a sudden he becomes like an asset it, it's just weird like that kind of stuff just always kind of trips me out um but the salary floor yeah from a practical standpoint is you should not be fielding a team that is making less than max scherzer right like that, yeah. that's just like that that just doesn't make sense to me i'm not saying everyone every like you said you know you're, you're pro tanking I, I i understand tanking serves a purpose when it's done with a purpose like right. you said um so yeah, not every team is going to go out and spend what the Padres did last year, but you got you got to at least pay a couple of attractions for the fans to show up or something. You got to show that you're trying. You got to you get, if you don't have a floor and you have these teams spending these pathetic payrolls, think about if you, like if you made the made the floor the same as the revenue sharing. Let's say it's eighty million. There are some teams that are going to almost double their payroll. There, right. that's a lot of money that's going to go out to these mm-hmm. players. Yeah, and, and I think that is something that should be reviewed and, and the organizations should take a hard look at and figure out, like, that is, I think, the biggest part. Uh, one of the biggest parts wrong with baseball is the disparities. That every team, if – no, like, there are times where, like, the Padres at, at their current pace, maybe after this window – because we feel like they have a, a three a three or four-year window with, with the pitching staff, and maybe they'll have other guys that come in, but – 
you figure, okay, like, let's just say the team wins a couple, you know, wins a championship. It goes on this, this Royals trajectory where they go to the world series and they lose and they win the world series. There's probably going to come a time, you know, 20, 26, 2027, where they got to kind of pay the piper a little bit and they're going to have to retool things and they're going to have to trade some, some contracts. Maybe that's, you know, when that happens, but you know, you can live with that if the team kind of, you know, that, okay, like they're going to kind of reload and then come back. And I think, the issue you have is a lot of these teams don't really, you know, they, they, they spend money to kind of say, Hey, we, 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 we spent money, but you know, they're not locking up their superstar players. They're bringing in these veterans. I mean, the Royals are a good example of that. We're like, Hey, we got Andrew Benintendi and Hey, we're, we're looking at bringing in this guy and, and, and that, you know, and, and, and a, like a, a middle tier free agent. Hey, we got Carlos Santana. He used to be good. And, trying to sell it off as, as competing. And I think that's where I think baseball honestly is far behind the other sports. Now, the, depending on your argument, you can make it, make an argument that baseball is the second biggest sport in America. Um, maybe it's third. I mean, maybe the NBA is bigger. I think TV ratings would kind of beg to differ. I think the TV ratings for baseball as a whole are a little bit better, um, especially when you look at regionally, um, when you compare like the, you know, the, uh, you know, the regional sports networks, I think baseball does fairly well in, in, in a lot of markets. So the, the issue that you're going to have though, is I think you're going to like this, this lockout, if, if they miss games, they're going to turn a lot of people off. Now, maybe they can hammer out a deal in the next week and they can reschedule things. They can maybe extend the season out by a week or two, and they can play games into the middle of October, October. Um, and the playoffs go into November, which I don't think anybody would be opposed to, especially, I mean, the players certainly wouldn't be opposed to it if they get their, their 162 games and they can get their, their full pay. But let me, let me give you, what do you think in your mind, when, when does major league baseball start in 2022? 4th of July. 4th of July. Fuck. That is sobering. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I'm going to say it starts on June 15th. So with that being said, what do you think, what do you think happens in the interim? Like, do you think that um, now conversely, there's a couple of things that, that have domino effects. Do you feel like this means that maybe more people are going to gravitate towards minor league baseball because minor league baseball will not be affected by the lockout. Um, And I say that with an asterisk because it kind of will be, and we'll get into that in a second. But do you think like, cause ESPN, what happened is we had, you remember that like four month period in America in 2020, where like everything shut down and you literally had no live sports. Like ESPN was like showing cornhole and they were showing darts and other weird things. And then like June, July came and they started showing KBO and they were trying to sell like, and I watched some of it and it wasn't entertaining. It wasn't great. Uh, I don't need to see, you know, uh, Al- Aaron a- Althier or whatever his name is, the, the old Phillies outfielder um, and a bunch of um, subpar players in, in the KBO. Like, you know, it's just it wasn't good quality baseball. Do you think that like ESPN and MLB Network will start showing like El Paso Chihuahuas games and things of that that sort? If, if there's enough of a leeway where they feel like they can do it logistically and not worry about having to pivot right back. I think they'll absolutely do it. I think that they'll, they'll pick up the feeds and do it if they can. Um, I, I don't think it's going to 
fill the time for people because there will be like you see a lot of people on on Padres Twitter who they want they want to know what Abrams is up to they want to know what these guys are up to so I think like if El Paso was playing on MLB Network I think people would watch for that but there wouldn't be the attachment because it is not the San Diego Padres it is not in their backyard it is not their team from their childhood it's not representing their town it's it's a farm team um i think the storm will see a bump just for that reason i mean a, a lot of people don't want to make that drive but a lot of people do a lot of people make that drive anyway they might just do it more but uh i don't think you'll see people gravitate like oh i became a hardcore uh san antonio missions fan this year because of the lockout i think that either they're already kind of into it or they might be just a little casually curious, but I don't think any, I don't think there's so many people that are like, I just need baseball. So I am going to get baseball in any form. I think it was different during uh, COVID with, with the, with Korea because it was either watching that or watching virtual NASCAR. So it was like, we were all like locked in our homes. A lot of us like to go outside. Yeah. What I really am hoping for is just, I want to see Bob Costas and Jim caught call a Lake Elsinore storm versus inland empire 66ers game in Lake Elsinore this, you know, this, this April or may that is, that is what I want to see. I want them to do a, a game of the week. I want them that to every night you do a different league and you do a double header and you just, you just plaster these games on because why not? I, I, I'm the opposite. I want our minor league voices to shine. I want Tim Haggerty. I want I want Stu out there. I want I want people to to. I kind of wanted to punish Bob Costas. That was kind of what I was thinking. Oh, man, that's not punishment, dude. I I if if you're if you're paying me Bob Costas money and you're telling me to do a game of the diamond, I'm thrilled. I mean, I would do a game of the diamond for twenty bucks and some hot dogs. But I mean, if you're paying me dildo packer money, I'm still thrilled. Yeah, I mean. What if like so inflation hasn't hasn't spread to the dildo packing industry is what you're saying? It hasn't hit the wages. Um, it hasn't hit the wages. The dildos have gone. I had to change some of the prices on some of the dildos. What is the best selling dildo at at this place of business? Um, the best selling sex toy is called the uh, Asgasm, and it's a uh, <laughs> which is pretty good. It's, it's for men. What? And there's a there's a part that goes in the ass, and it's tethered to a part that goes around the front. So they're kind of like creating wait, wait, tension. Wait, wait, what? It's I'm 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 telling you, man. It's like a little, it's like a little baby elephant walk. And and and, and people buy this. That's the best seller. <laughs> How much does this product cost? I think that one only costs like twenty bucks um vibrating butt plug is probably number two um as far as dildos um i forget the name of it but it's like your standard six inch hot pink number okay it doesn't have it doesn't have like a cool name like it's not it's not like the kong we have one called the emperor and it says (laughs) no no mercy on the package that one has not sold see what they should do is they should get that old that old guy from cobra kai then he can just do his no mercy bit on it and he keeps up the spokesman for it hi this is this is uh john crease here for what's it what's it called what what's what called that one the the emperor this is john crease here for the emperor as you show yourself no mercy so um 
I had an idea that got uh, roundly rejected by corporate. Um, I wanted, uh, when they do some of the, the pictures in the app, they have like people posing with some of the shit. And for the, the sexual implements, I wanted to use that smiling, awkward old man from the stock photos. And I wanted him like holding each one. So like that- you're... you're so like you click on you click on the emperor and the 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 when you're just browsing in the app it's got the pictures and everything when you open it it's got the awkward uh, smiling man and he's just holding it you know just holding it like he's you know gonna beat you with it. That reminds me of like one of my favorite activities um, was going to fries when fries was a thing, and they would sell like I don't know if it was like hardcore porn but they would sell like softcore porn of some variety. And you would just sit there and just watch like older people like awkwardly flip through them and just kind of looking at their reactions like they're trying to hide and, and be like discreet about it. But like watching them just go, oh, look at this one. Ooh. And I don't know why, but it just gave me a lot of amusement watching these people just awkwardly thumb through them um, in their like DVD section. Oh, yeah, like 7-Eleven had the magazines like that back when magazines were a thing before the Internet got too big. And they were just they still make magazines though, don't they? They make magazines, but like you used to be able to just go into and, and maybe maybe it's just the 7-Elevens I go into it become more. I've never out. I've never seen a at least out here growing up, I don't recall ever seeing anything pornographic in a 7-Eleven. Okay, that well was, that's when you go to like Hiram's Guns and Liquor and, and okay. you see them like out there. They used to have VHS tapes. 7-Eleven on Valley Parkway, Escondido, California, across from Del Dios Middle School, used to have a rack by the door that was nudie mags and they had the weird like yellow plastic card over it that was like basically saying hey you hey you nine-year-old and the thing was when i was a nine-year-old they were at eye level yeah you're older they're like oh, but when you're a kid you're staring you right in the face it's saying don't look at this and you see a guy kind of like like you said like flip through it and you're like weird you gotta but, try to distract the guy, the guy at the at the front counter no i was i was I was such a terrified child. I never really pulled in. Yeah, but you're like that. six foot four. So they probably didn't like give you any trouble. You're like, oh, you walk in there. Like you're like five, six when you're like 10 years old. I was taller. My mom's five, three, and I was taller than her in the fifth grade. Um, it's not surprising. You fucking Yeti. I was bred to be a, a champion dildo packer. What can I say? And uh, um, i trying to think if we saw anything else that's really weird. Um There's a lot of like like shampoo and just like stuff that you're just like, why why is this even here? Like we have like a plunger, a toilet brush. Um that stuff makes sense though, because like you know, you 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 end up like clogging your toilet. Yeah. And you don't want to make a it's you know 12 30 at night and, and nothing's yeah, closed, yeah. which is crazy. Like, um, I feel like that's one of the like victims of the pandemic that you know, a lot of people talk. What's the first thing that people bitch about that's not really a thing anymore with the pandemic now? in your mind like something that's like um like a business practice or a business itself that's kind of gone the the way of the dodo bird during covid like what's the first thing you always hear like something that was there before yeah like an aspect of a business or an actual business that's gone one or the other i got a couple i mean honestly like living in it and working in it in retail um the customer is not always right like we're, we're allowed to push back in a way we never were before really 
Yeah. All right, let's get into that in a second. But what I was going to say is, well, the, the thing that people out here always whine about, and it's different because it's, it's probably, I don't think they're everywhere, but Sioux Plantation, like everybody cries about Sioux Plantation, which, you know, I, I, I get that. But one of the like kind of underrated deaths is 24-hour businesses where you talk about like, hey, I need this plunger. Well, back in the day, you could run to a Walgreens or a CVS or a, even Walmarts where, you know, a lot of the Walmarts are 20, like, as far as I know, there's not a Walmart currently operating in San Diego that stays open 24 hours. Um, I hear you yeah. And I used to like the Murphy Canyon one was a staple of like the 24 hour Walmarts out here and it's, it's, they close. And a lot of the CVSs and Walgreens close now like at 11 or 12. And it's, it's really weird because like for me growing up as like in, as a young adult, one of my one of my best memories as a young adult, like or, or not really like a specific memory, but like a thing to do was that, you know, my one of my well, my best friend that I've known since I was like six years old uh, works late nights, kind of like, you know, in a similar fashion to what you do. And so what our thing would be is you get off of work at like one in the morning and we go to Denny's and we just sit there, you know, order breakfast and sit there and just shoot the shit for a couple of hours. And you walk out like three or three thirty with a you know, a belly full of, you know, $7 pancakes and you feel pretty good. You feel on top of the world and Denny's, you know, not every Denny's is 24 seven now, like some Denny's actually like close. And so I think what you're seeing a lot of during COVID, like targets are closing earlier than they used to. And like the death of like 24 hour businesses as a whole is like understated. And so for you, like being able to order one till stuff till one thirty, you might be the only place where a person after they've clogged their toilet or when they need a late night pick me up can get their products. That's a, that's a good point because uh, when I get off, if I work that shift, when I get off and I don't have like night, you know, like dinner plans, anything set up at home. And I, I look to see like if anything's actually open. Yeah. Like I used to have a 24 hour Walmart in Roner Park, California, which is not a big town at all. And in Phoenix, you would think maybe like one in a centralized area would be, but there's nothing right now. Yeah. And for GoPuff. Well, there it is. GoPuff, the dildo factory. Um, <laughs> you, you let it slip. Not me. Just for the record. You're going to bleep that. Right. And <laughs> no, I'm not editing shit, dude. Um, Nobody listens to this. Nobody's going to care. I know. I'll, I'll hear. Uh, I'll hear us. Uh, I mean, we're beating Cilio in the ratings, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, I've taken dumps of beating Cilio in the ratings. That, that and, I can uh, confirm. I, I have the records to back it up, just so yeah. just so people are aware. But with anyway. our store, um, originally when they went to this this format, we did the remodel. Uh, we were doing orders until three in the morning, and there actually wasn't the demand. Well, it would make sense. I mean, because you figure. It, if you're the only people that are going to order something at two in the morning, you're going to be like people that work graveyard and maybe they're on the lunch break and, and, and meth heads. I mean, no same person's going to order, you know, like what, because what people would order from there would be like alcohol or like Cokes or, you know, crackers or microwave well, pizza. Well, the other, the other problem is for the, the problem for the business, I think it's a, you know, it's smart, but problem for the business is I believe that uh, alcohol sales cut off at 2.30. So at that, that point, at, th at that point, you're, you're just trying to peddle snacks to people. Um, although my 7-Eleven here does close. Um, yeah. 
at midnight the circle k doesn't but the circle k sketches all hell so yeah it's, it's, well uh, i live i live in mira mesa now and we have there's a 7-eleven that's about a less than a mile from my house and it's the one i go to like i go there probably like once or twice a week and there's another one that's up i mean if you're familiar with with mira mesa there's one on like camino ruiz um going up towards you know on Miss, you know mira mesa boulevard and camino ruiz and they both close it they're open six to midnight and i've never and i grew up like in el cajon and there's parts of el cajon that are pretty like to, to put it nicely like greedy i guess would be the right word and those ones never closed and now it's like there's 7-elevens that close like and it's not like there's a bunch in san diego that actually closed and i, and I think that's so weird because that was the whole thing that's why they're called 7-eleven because they're open you know seven days a week and uh, i think the joke was they're 11 days so i don't know what, where it comes in but they're always open and they're not and i don't and it's not that i'm aware of it i don't think it's a labor shortage issue because this is really pre i mean this is over a year ago when things weren't as cray cray as they are now but that's just another thing too is like you don't have you know 7-eleven used to be like that's your go-to you just go there like three in the morning when you're stoned off your ass and you go in there you get some funyuns you know maybe you know maybe a diet coke or something and and, and maybe a slurpee some nachos and you go about your way yeah i mean uh I think 7-Eleven was it was seven days a week, 11 hours a day before they were 24 hours back in the old times when. Is that what it is? Because 11 hours a day isn't that impressive. That just means you're over for like nine to eight. That's not, that's not a lot of hours. It, it was impressive at the time. Was and, it though? Uh, and then, then, the, then the, uh, the dredges of the economy drove us to the point of 24-hour fulfillment. And then we've kind of scaled back to the point where I'm the only one packing dildos at 1 a.m. So, you know, we're, we're making progress for the labor movement, but um, we need more. I think you should, you, you should start like a, a, like a dildo packing like union. Yeah. The, the local 1513 dildo packers. And it's got like a, like a, a crossed dildos. <laughs> like a crest. <laughs> You know, we try to argue that we're a little bit more skilled labor because we do it with all the discretion involved because um, you like order on the app. Mark W. will be packing your dildo today. It's a picture of you like, like well, a mugshot. Like, well, that's the thing. is like they don't, they don't know who's packing the dildo, but we know who's buying the dildo. Right. That's weird. That is a little bit weird because like, I mean, we don't, like we don't a, literally we don't literally know their whole identity, but like you see a um, picture of them, right? No, you don't see a picture of that. That is weird. That'd be your company. I, I, I mean, maybe it's just like, hey, like. Uh, no, you don't. You don't see a picture of them, but like, you, I mean, obviously, you get the address because the driver. Like Irene W is ordering a big Bertha. Yeah, it would say it would say Kevin C at this address. Amira Mesa just bought six emperors and <laughs> and a hookah. What's that? What's you sell hookah? That, that's how they started was selling hookah. We don't have any at ours for some reason. That's like a weird thing that people do, and I've never understood. It's like smoking ten cigarettes at once. I, mean, I don't need to kill my lungs. I, I mean, I, I I never foresaw a future where I'd be packing sexual implements with a six pack, of course, light. So, yeah, but at least you, at least what you can say is like it's a transition gig. It's not like you went to school for four years specifically, like you majored in like dildo packing and 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 uh, sexual pleasure commerce. So, if, if, if any school would have that major, and this isn't a knock because I love Arizona State, this isn't a knock on that level of academics. I'm just speaking on the breadth of the size of the school. If there was going to be 
a, you know, because they got like the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. They've got uh, Sandra Day O'Connor School of Law. If they want to have the Mark Wilkins School of Dildo Packing, I am I am more than than honored to, to put $10 towards it. Dildo Packing Theory 106. DDO 101. You have like a the capstone course where you have to like, you have to like build your own and then pack it. You have to do it in a timely manner without giggling. Um, 30 minute fulfillment. Um, we sell like, uh, like uh, we sell vaping stuff too. That's another weird one. I feel like vaping has, is it just me or is that, has that, has that trailed off in recent years? Like people don't do it as much as they used to. Like, like obviously people still do it, but like it's not a fad anymore. Like it was, it was such a huge fad where everyone's like, you, you couldn't go, you couldn't go anywhere without someone yeah. spraying bubble gum smoke in your face you know always kind of bothered me and i always thought it was stupid is like i i think vaping is is dumb to a degree um it just people just look silly doing it but it's like for some reason that used to bother me more than people smoking cigarettes but the odor of cigarettes is like 10 million times more offensive but i don't know what maybe it's because i grew up in a family full of like people that smoked like literally every every almost every adult in my family growing up smoked like like yeah. everybody. And so like, maybe that's more like normalized to me, whereas vaping is not, but like, I would just, a guy would light up, you know, I'd be at a concert outdoors or something. And some guy starts lighting up a marble. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. Oh, this guy's frigging blowing his, you know, his rainbow Sherbert vape and a big cloud of doing smokerings and I'm ready to freaking deck him. You get, you get triggered by the flavored uh, smoke is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, my dad did it towards the end of his life as like a means to quit smoking. And I was like, okay, it's like you're substituting one vice for another, but I guess if it's healthier then rock on, but I didn't, I haven't seen anybody. I saw somebody vaping the other day and it's legitimately, and I don't go out in public as much as I used to, obviously because of COVID, but it's the first time I saw somebody hitting a vape in like probably a year. I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. I, w- I was leaving a store yesterday and this dude had it in his pocket and he was like so desperate to get the vape going. That like the second we walked out of the store, he just did this giant puff on it and, you know, smoke goes up. He's a little shorter than me. And I just got this like bubble gum just right in my face. Yeah. It made you want to go out and buy one, didn't it? I maybe want to go to my workplace and get that in a uh, ASCASM and call it a weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what, that's what gets you through. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think kind of going back to baseball real quick, and then, and then we can talk about one more thing we want to bring up kind of on, on, on the, on the music topic. So that's probably when Eric will tap out uh, of this. Cause he's been begging. He's, he's told me that like three or four different times to record. And so we, you know, we've, our schedules have not really linked up very well, which is kind of why they do this. And sometimes like, I just, I don't know, like I, I get, you know, I don't know if it's stage fright, but something like, what am I going to talk about? Like, what am I going to come up with here? What are we going to talk about? And then, you come in with like dildo talk and we kill 20 minutes and then these, these turn into marathon sessions. So it's kind of funny that that works out. I'm a little upset that it's becoming a marathon session, but that's okay. Do we, do we need to stop right now? No, we don't need to stop right now. You know what I'm going to do? Like, cause if we have like a huge gap of like us not recording for a while, which is probably going to happen again. Um, I'm going to start like listing topics in a word file um, cause I, I come up with stuff like, Hey, like this would be a good idea to talk about, or we could talk about this. And then like, you know, you say, Hey, we should record. And then I'm like, eh. and I'm like, Hey, do you want to record? You're like, eh, I gotta, I gotta pack dildos to three in the morning. And then I got, you know, you're, you're still going to school. So it's understandable. Right. 
And I'm like, well, you know, I'm really tired from work or, you know, my kid's still awake. And, and then what ends up happening is I have these topics that they become kind of stale. And so I, I one day I'm just going to like start listing. These are the 15 things I came up with. And then we'll just kind of knock them out real quick, like 30 seconds on each, like do like a lightning round. I like that. That's a good yeah. idea. But um, so the one thing that's like kind of a, a victim in this whole baseball lockout is what do you do with like the younger players on the roster? And so you have like the Padres, for example, you look at their 40 man and you have Mackenzie Gore, who's obviously the headliner of your pre uh, pre big league experience players. You have Adrian Martinez, who um, if you're John Conniff is like your number one prospect in your system. He freaking loves that guy. He's not really, he's just an exaggeration, but you have guys like that, that you know, Steven Wilson's another good example of a reliever that's big league ready, but, uh there's no if there's no big league season he has nowhere to pitch but he, and you can't option these guys to triple a um so then you have you know, have luis compusano like i i can name you know a few others and so i i wonder if that gives do you do you think there's a scenario where like either they allow those guys to go into independent leagues or that they play like in mexico or something uh, they're with a lockout. They can they can play in Japan. They can play in, in indie leagues. They can form their own league. They can go to Mexico. Um, they can't stop them. Um, do I do I think they'll do it? It would have to be like a real clear sign um, that it's going to be a while. Um, it'd be like hockey. You know, Joe Thornton went to Sweden. Um, uh, what was his name? Um, There's a guy in the Sharks who played for the Gulls. Um, his name is escaping me. He was, a, he was a decent player, but he, he just went and tore it up for the goals. Um, yeah, they can do that. Um, so yeah, if if, if Eggy Rosario wants to go, uh, get he's some another ABs, one. Yeah, yeah. If he wants to go get some abs in in Latin America, nobody's stopping him. We need um, to get Mackenzie Gore on the on the Tijuana ter- Toros, Los Toros de Tijuana. Can you imagine the anxiety level if if McKenzie Gore signs an international deal in the lockout? I mean, um, like like the guys. I mean, most of the position players, I, I don't sweat it. Uh, Martinez, I don't. You know, Martinez was starting to figure out his stuff again. He had a great year in Double A, and then he was starting to figure it out in Triple A. So I wouldn't be too worried about him getting a couple of innings in somewhere. Uh, Wilson's ready to go; he could go throw some innings somewhere, and that's not a huge deal. But with everything going on with Gore, yeah, if that, if that dude showed up in a league, unless he had a uh, uh, suddenly had a pitching coach who looked a lot like Niebla, um, they just like put him concerned. in a Groucho mask. Yeah, he just shows up in disguise as one of these uh. international or an independent game. Is like, hey, that that, that dude's coaching him. I mean. Um, I, I wouldn't want to see that with Gore, but I mean, yeah, if Eggie wants to go hit bombs to somewhere, I don't care. Um, do I think they'll do it? Not the way it is right now. Um, it would have to start like really looking weird because those are the strange guys that are really frozen out because um, almost anyone who got rostered was around for 2020. I mean, you almost had to be, right? Like yeah. very few of these guys are getting rostered that that weren't. So these are guys that were around for a lost year. And now they're looking at a second one, especially for Gore. It's like, crap, we're just trying to get it on track. So um, you might see guys try to get playing time somewhere. They can do it. Yeah, I think I think it's possible. But that's just one of those things. That th- those are the guys that I really have concerns with because it's it's not as simple as they can go to, you know, they can't be off in the AAA. It's, it's like, okay, cool. You just send McCourt or you send Mackenzie Gore down to, to AA or AAA and – they're good to go. No, like you've 
he's going to basically be in limbo in, in, in baseball purgatory. Whereas, yeah, you have guys like CJ Abrams around the 40 man roster where this really doesn't impact them per se. Um, but, you know, you project that in like Elson, you're going to have James Wood on the roster and, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jackson Mural perhaps, and some other guys, other guys they drafted last year, maybe a guy like, uh, uh, like Garrett Hawkins, who was in the, uh, the, the ACL. So, those guys are unaffected and, and, and minor league baseball is unaffected. So that starts up here in about, a, about, a, about five weeks. Uh, minor league camp should be opening pretty soon if it hasn't already. Um, usually they start, is it the fifth? Yeah. They start playing so. games. Yeah. Um, they start playing games usually in the middle of March. And, um, you know, that was one of the best parts about, um, about going to spring training was seeing those games, but, and that's the other impact too. I mean, you, if you're, I mean, you, you talked about, I mean, you and I just kind of chatting back and forth. I think you said the, the, the impact really where you look at 2019, they, they, they bang spring training about less than halfway through uh, 2021. They didn't really have, they had spring training, but they didn't have full capacity. And then you look at last or this year, there's going to be probably nothing. Um, if, if there is spring training, it's going to be extremely abbreviated. I mean, I think you said that the impact, on, at least in Arizona and in, in the Phoenix area, was like a hundred million dollar loss. They they think that for uh, each year played, uh, each 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 brief spring training we've had. So twenty twenty when there was like what five days of it before it went away, and then twenty twenty one it happened, but hardly anyone came out here for it. Uh, they estimate they lost almost 200 million for each of those years. Um, For Arizona, they estimate the economic impact to bars, restaurants, hotels, you name it, um, is about 644 million. Wow. That's nuts. And they said it was almost cut in half in 2020. And it was probably, it probably rebounded a little bit more last year. So yeah, you're looking at, at, huge because and i didn't i i look at that number and i'm like you know holy crap right like uh there's no way but even when i was here last year the people who did come i mean they came early they they left late there were people who came here the whole time there are people who uh went golfing and did all this crazy stuff they went to uh sun's games they went to coyotes games and and uh that that's what you're you're losing is is people come out for long trips. I mean, you got the people in California who come out on the weekend, but you got people who come out from Washington and they snowbird it and they watch the Mariners. They come out from Illinois and they snowbird it. So that that's a big impact. They they rent Airbnbs. Um, yeah, that is um, to to have one lost pretty much entirely, to have one really restricted, and then you're going to lose one here. I mean, I don't blame people for not coming out to the, to anything on the minors. If they open it up to everyone, I don't, I don't blame them. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at a family trip, it may, it, you want your kids to come out and watch, you know, even though, I mean, a spring training game, you watch, you may watch Manny not play. You may watch Tatis get one at bat, but at least you get like, you usually get like half the lineup rotating and a minor league one. You, you, these kids may not know who they are. So why are you going to make the trip from San Diego? If you're local, fine, do it. But um, yeah, bang, bang a spring training for basically the third year in a row is, is killer. 
to these these uh, towns that do it. I mean, you, you think about um, Salt River Fields. I mean, that's one that's basically built into a resort area. That whole income changes that whole area based on whether they have games there or not. Like they had that college tournament there last week. That side of Scottsdale goes from sleepy to bustling for those kind of things. And then you've got, you know, surprise. You got these kind of towns that are they're they're small towns except for the, these games. Goodyear, Goodyear is a small town. Uh, even Peoria, Peoria is not a big town. It's on it's on it's closer to the city than some of these. But Peoria is not a big town, and Peoria goes off when there, there's something going on down there. And uh, it, it, it's funny for me because I moved here in April of 2020, and I thought that was when we were still in the hey, you know what? It's gonna um, maybe we'll lock it down for a few months. It'll be okay. So I really thought that 2021, I get a full spring training. I go from there. Yeah. And then 2021 came and we, we didn't really get one. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get one on my way out before I move back. And now look. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's staggering. And I think it's something that people out here don't really talk about, but it's just, it's one of those things I was thinking about. Like, I mean, um, you know, I, I went to, um, you know, spring training in 2019 and really haven't really had the opportunity to go back since. And obviously I'm not, I'm not going to go this year and I don't know if I'm going to go next year. Like who knows? So it's just, it's one of those things that like, you know, there's people that I, I had a, I was talking to some lady, I went to the baseball card store in Santina was having a conversation with this lady that she's gone to spring training every year since, since like the seventies and is not going this year just because of the uncertainty. And so it's just pretty crazy. Um, so um yeah i mean it's a it's a staggering thing do you want to we, we we talked we want to talk a little about spotify but i don't know do you, you want to keep going or should we just call call it a game here let's you know that one i don't think that one's like a, a current event so we can tack that on to, to one we do next week or later in the week or something all right well let's let's go ahead and get out of here then because we we didn't say we what we we said at the beginning this is going to be a marathon i feel like we went for well over an hour so we, we um, did good i haven't had dinner yet so what are you having for dinner are you making some chicken some some struggle meal chicken i'm gonna have some cereal what kind of cereal cheerios i had i i've i've been trying to diet but i've been naughty this like last big few days and so my son has been up our ass to get the uh the batman pizza that they have at little caesars and so i was forced to eat that tonight and it wasn't terrible but he didn't like it because it was, it, was, it was like basically a calzone pizza yeah i saw the picture didn't look too appealing to me it kind of looked like it kind of looked like they dropped the pizza while they were making it yeah i mean they well it's a little they probably did that anyway but they they dropped it in the wrong shape yeah all right so enjoy your cereal and for those of you uh, thanks for sticking with us if you listen to this if you made this long you're my hero Uh, but we will catch you next time